0: the business of business podcast in this episode lewis talks to eric toledo design director for big tech companies and lead singer of the band quiet hounds listen in for some lessons on time management as eric discusses balancing life as a husband father and having a successful career enjoy uh, welcome eric thank you very much for um joining me what i wanted to do um yeah, thanks for having me yeah no problem um normally what i do is let let a guest introduce themselves but i what i want to do is kind of give um the listeners a bit of an idea of who you are and then yeah. kind of lead into perhaps the most important questions. so yeah um you're the lead singer of the quiet hounds um and um i i could only get stats from spotify i couldn't Amazon Music and iTunes don't kind of readily give this away, and yeah. maybe you could shed some light on this. But on Spotify, Quiet Hounds, you've got 1.8 million listens on um, "Get Up."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I calculated, I up. yeah, calculated over two million listens overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as I say, that's just on Spotify alone. Um, yeah. You're a family man, and you've had. You know a pretty successful career in design as well, uh, with a background in uh, startups, Apple, Mailchimp. Um, so with all that in mind, my, my question is and, and, and leading into why I contacted you is how the hell do you manage all of this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you for the um, uh, the glowing uh, intro, uh, Lewis. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, when you initially reached out to me, um, about uh, balancing, you know, work band and home life, you know, it's just something um, uh, that I've just been doing for a long time, um, uh, probably 15 plus years um, okay. being in a band early 2000s, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, this isn't going to sound poetic or artistic in any way, but, <laughs> you know, um, surrounding yourself with the right people and being disciplined about, you know, where you spend your time seemed to be the right formula for me, you know, um, right. you kind of have to be, so obsessive about effective time management, you know. Um, I'd, I'd say I'm pretty compulsive about writing out lists of things I want to accomplish, then ruthlessly prioritizing those things every day. You know, carving yeah. out the day for focused time on things that matter um, helps me stay fully it's sort of present uh, um, in the moment and things bef- that are before me. So. You know, in the morning, it's dedicated family time. I don't check my email. I don't read the news. I'm, I'm with my family making breakfast, having coffee, helping the kids get ready for school, you know, trying my best to be fully present. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as, as soon as they're out the door, I'm, I'm preparing for my day. So, reevaluating all the things I want to accomplish, looking at my calendar, making sure I have like blocks of time to recharge and process, you know, all the things that I'm chewing on at work. Um, and then the sequence of my day is super important, you know. Um, uh, um, making sure that that sequence makes sense with all the meetings I have queued up, yep. um, and the conversations I need to have. So, you know, when I talk about prioritizing, I'm trimming the fat, like declining meetings that don't align with the rhythm and purpose of my day. You know? Okay. Um, yeah. And then, so all these sort of non work related things that I, I, I want to accomplish, get queued up, um, uh, into these windows of time, you know, uh, that aren't, um, in my work day, you know, yeah. so, uh, my uh, weekends and evenings, you know, for personal projects, time with the kids, time with my wife, and band things, you know. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, evenings when I'm home are the same way, you know, fully present with the family, no devices, no screens. Um, then after the kids go down, sort of reflecting on what I got done and what I want to accomplish for the next day. You know? yeah. So um, for the band, it's um, those windows set us, uh, outside of work where I'll carve out time to meet with the guys or find solo time to capture ideas if we're in pre-production you know um uh uh, i'll be writing with the guys if we're working on a new record that's time in the studio um uh and then a whole host of things for the band like coordinating show logistics um updating things on the site queuing up promo art gosh sending out merch you know the list goes on and on but um you know it helps really to have a team um uh behind me you know um uh you know uh these these guys have been making music uh, with since you know early two thousands. Some of them um, uh, since I was in college. You know, so yeah. Um, uh, you know, it helps to have folks that are in the same boat who can help keep a conversation going as we sort out upcoming events, needs. You know, uh, managing the overhead of being in a band. You know, our yeah. our manager Chris Thacker is just a logistics whiz and keeps um, action items um, as well. Um, our drummer Brad is. Uh, um, a project manager at Turner. And, um, you know, my producer Deke Spears is just a kind of a slave driver. So you can imagine that things, you know, are kept on rails for the, for the hounds. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, with this, this kind of dynamic, I don't have to be as hands-on every day and just, you know, I trust these guys, you know, I yeah. trust that, you know, we delegate stuff that, you know, my, my mates have things covered, you know? So, yeah. um, so with all that, you know, uh, I can't stress enough. Um, uh, having, gosh, you know in reflecting on this uh, really the foundation of it is having a healthy enough marriage that values personal time yeah yeah. (laughs) processing time (laughs) and individuality you know i mean my wife is uh, my wife Emily's is super supportive you know uh, yeah a truly music lover which is why I married her in the first place okay great yeah yeah work has, yeah yeah I mean it's, it's it just uh, makes a world of difference you know she runs her own yoga health and wellness brand so you know she keeps me centered and sane yeah um, but having a partner who can be empathetic um, uh, a sounding board um, plus honoring each other's respective craft goes a long way in finding that balance between home marriage work and the band. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, on time management, there's this really cool um, uh, duo uh, out there called time dorks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jake no, I've Knapp. Not heard, but, no,
0: I've not heard of him. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Jake Knapp um, is, is the author of the famed sprint book um, where he's, you know, teaching organizations how to um, ideate um, uh, in a sort of consolidated um uh, fashion, um, time being of the essence. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, John Drasky, um, uh, he, these two guys, they geek out on, um, how to help optimize the little time we have each day to be effective <laughs> humans in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've got a book out there called make time. It's a really good read. Um, but it's all about prioritizing and cutting out unhealthy distractions like so- social media, you know, unnecessary meetings and things like that.
0: You know? Yeah. I guess that ties into what you were saying about planning your day and as much saying yes as, as you know as also saying no. Absolutely,
1: um, absolutely. And I and think that there's a, yeah 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 go
0: ahead. No, I mean that and that you know I had a lot of questions around you know because really what it comes down to is time management as you say. For yeah. for a lot of us, I mean, I um, as you say, you know in college. Um, you know, as much as you're, they're getting an education. I wanted to be in a band. I'd, I, you know, auditioned for bands who were touring and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. And the thing is, and for anybody who plays, uh, hopefully they can relate to this. There's always this idea that there has to be a compromise. You know, if you if you want to be, if you want to try and let's say make it in inverted commas, you kind of need to do a job that's going to allow you the flexibility to give you all that time to invest in, in the music. Right, yeah, or you know you're you're carving out a career and your band is something on the side, and maybe you play at weddings and a few gigs here and there, and practicing in someone's garage once a week, and it things never really tighten up, you know mm-hmm. um yeah. and um but there's always that kind of desire, you know, oh, I'd love it if we made it and and that kind of thing and but for you, I guess this discipline is really what's helped um you kind of master both sides, right? Or all three sides?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, know, it's, it's really about the the people. I mean, if you, that compromise, you know, is is certainly a thing if you're trying to do it all yourself, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, uh, you know, you essentially would have to pick, you know, like, I, I, I feel very fortunate in that I've, I've met a group of creators, a group of creative people that, you know, have the same sort of work challenges and balance challenges that i have you know yeah. um uh but you know all very capable talented individuals um uh and so in that we don't have to compromise because we can all work together to arrive at you know a meaningful outcome that we're all happy with You know, yeah
0: yeah have you um from what i understand um maybe there was a period where you were represented by a publisher but from what i understand you 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 in in simple terms the the band is self published right
1: yeah yeah we we do all of our own writing we own all the rights to our music um uh yeah
0: yeah and and um and then with that um i think the other surprising thing given the numbers um is that you haven't gone on you know extensive at least U.S. tours, let alone anything international outside the U.S., <laughs> um, right. you've, you've, from from what I've seen, you've always kind of um, focused on, um, you know, gigs in the Atlanta area primarily, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it, you know, uh, and th- this is purely just because of the complexity of our dynamic, you know. Um, we're not, you know, in our early 20s where we can jump in a, a van and just, you know, go willy-nilly up the East Coast, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I I think it was certainly a a distinct decision that we made, um, uh, when we formed this project in 2011, um, that we weren't going to do what we did before, you know, and we've done that, you know, we've, we've done the touring up the East coast, up the Midwest, you know, um, uh, uh, dates on the West coast. Um, and it's really expensive, you know, I mean, we, we, without a lot of data, you know, when we were doing it and, and, uh, um, you know, 05 through 08, you know, there was not, there weren't a lot of tools for us to use um, as, as an Indie, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, So short of, you know, the, the, you know, Tom Petty, you know, REM, just get in a van and, and kind of uh, make your way around the world. um, You know, uh, uh, we, we, we tried that. Um, And, uh, you know, it, it can be, it can be a, a lonely and and um, expensive experience, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, what we sought to do was, you know, really just make the music we wanted to make and see, you know, what 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 could come out of that. And so, we had um, a lot of supporters uh, around our, our first release. It um, made its way around the blogosphere, um, which is, you know, uh, really kind of shaped our, our foundation our, yeah. our our initial found, uh, fan base you know yeah yeah um and with that we've been like really selective about you know additional markets you know that we might want to go play um uh, uh you know i I'd, I'd say you know with with our family dynamic being what it is now that we're maybe a little bit more flexible now than than we've been in the past years so okay. you know really trying to like um expand on our tour dates this spring and through the summer of this year so yeah. we'll see what happens
0: yeah um at any point i mean you you talked i guess early on you were you were trying to do the tours and as you say it was expensive did it did it ever get to a point where a um a label was kind of reaching out to you and and maybe things were getting towards going to the next level where you would be all in on this
1: yeah yeah we we certainly had that moment in our career, you know especially as we sort of entered um, uh, into the market um, uh, made our first foray with our first e p um, Southern Charm and our first LP, Mega MegaPhona, in 2012. Yeah. Um, we had uh, folks entertaining us from Warner. Um, we had uh, 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 a label fly us, uh, Roadrunner, um, uh, which is uh, fly us up to New York. Um, we we got our first ever major label uh, offer. Uh, okay. and uh, you know. Offers today are very different than they were back, you know, early '90s. Yeah. And, you know, uh, before that, you know, I mean, um, uh, labels, in order for them to really re- make a return on their investment, need basically full control of every aspect of your business. You know, yeah. so they call these 360 deals. So um, we were offer a version of a 360 deal where, you know. Um, we didn't feel like we had control over how any of that budget was going to be spent um, right. and really saw that, man, you know, if this doesn't work, we basically are, and we're shelved or screwed, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, being, you know, uh, pretty conservative decision makers, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we felt like, you know, the only thing that the label was really, um, uh, offering us was some reach, you know, granted yeah. you know, that's, that's a hard, hard thing to achieve on your own. Yeah. Um, uh, but every other aspect of the business from writing to production to promoting to um, our creative, um, I mean, we were doing all of it, you know? So yeah. So we weren't really convinced that what they were asking for was, or the partnership was uh, sort of an equal footing partnership, yeah. you know? Um, so, and you know, the, the, yeah. the types of partnerships that we we seek are, are you know, uh, partnerships that where we feel like, you know, uh uh these other brands or businesses can do what we can't do well you know yeah. um so uh so that, so those those is the, the that's the type of help we we look for it's not that we're not looking for help you know we certainly yeah uh, want to entertain um conversations about like what a fruitful partnership might look like, and those just um today are hard to come by so.
0: it's interesting that you you know because I think you know listening to this. You know, if I put myself in your shoes, there, there must be an element of, you know, we're offered a record label. Let's, you know, let's yeah. just do it. You know, this is this is the path to to glory and fame and riches and and to have uh, to have, you know, and I, and I can imagine the deal was probably, you know, fairly representative of of most deals that are offered. So, mm-hmm. I, I I guess that speaks to you know some intelligence to turn around and say, you know what, in in um, logically, this doesn't make sense. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, we we had you know been in publishing deals where we've been offered a big chunk of cash and had to manage that ourselves, and you know, yeah. in some way, sort of squander that on on you know, not very smart touring, and so we, and we've had you know friends that are, have been in in uh, uh, three hundred and sixty deals and been engaged with major labels that, you know, um, we've seen how some of those careers have have sort of played out, and for for us as uh, working members of society and um, still being able to create music that we want, that we know and love. You know, yeah. like it, it was sort of a—you have to ask yourself what success really looks like. You know, and uh, we had a manager back in the day go, you know, guys, like, you know, so you want to be making your own music, you want to be um, uh, putting out records that you love, you know, you want to be surviving. Well, aren't you already doing that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Defi- so well, we're like, yeah. okay, well, all right, well, you know. So, does uh, yeah, it mean, it's yeah. a, a good question, you know. So. What,
0: what is your definition of success, I suppose? That's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. because, um, you know, coming back to, you know, the control side, you guys, you know, I've looked, you know, I've been looking at YouTube and some of the history in terms of how you've toured. Um, you've done things like, um, sort of like, uh, for, I don't know how to describe them. Like uh, almost like dinner with the band, so people are having dinner while you guys are playing, uh, and yeah. um, and then you're you know not regular, but your regular gigs in a in a you know in a, in a in a not an arena, but in a you know a music setting, right? So yeah, yeah. So you, you've obviously had a lot of control over how you put the music out to fans and so on.
1: Yeah, and and in those um, uh, sort of. Uh, well, we like to think of them as experiences, right? So, yeah. you know, um, uh, for for our audience, you know, it was less about hey, let's just listen to the music, and it was more about like, okay, how do we create an environment where it's best consumed? You know, yeah. um, uh, and for for us initially, it was not about showing up to a traditional venue and just selling tickets and having people come listen to the music. It was about, you know, what what type of unique space can we craft in order to really help the music shine, you know. Yeah. So so we would, you know, uh seek out untraditional venues like warehouses um uh and um or restaurants or or you know someone's home, you know, yeah. like these intimate settings that um uh, uh feel like a, a departure, you know. Yeah. Um and, and in that, you know, um yeah, it's not it's not your plug and play, you know. It's yeah, not something yeah. that you can easily recreate, you know. Um, so there, those things have been few and far between. We've done things at historical sites. We've done things, like I said, in warehouses where we have to basically set everything up soup to nuts, like yeah. production, where people are going to go to the bathroom, how they're going to get food, <laughs> 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 all that stuff, you know. But, it, yeah. you know, those things make for meaningful experiences that people still talk about today. So yeah. like, we're, we're, we're really proud of those things. So.
0: Yeah. You mentioned um, the historical sites there, and I think in, in some of the earlier music, was there some kind of um, storytelling around? Is it the Civil War?
1: Yeah, I th- you know we you know uh, in in crafting the persona for for Quiet Hounds, you know, um, uh, especially in the uh, in the early days, you know, we had some advisors that were just big supporters of us, even before the Quiet Hounds, um, yeah. uh, kind of point us at all the history that's basically sitting in our backyard, you yeah. know, um, uh, you know, Atlanta and the Southeast is just rich with civil war history. And it just became like this, you know, um, uh, sort of fertile ground for us to like explore, um, uh, what the persona for the hounds could be. Um, and, and we've since sort of departed from a lot of those themes, but like, you know, it was, um, uh, uh just, a great, um, sort of entry point, uh, for, for the hounds and yeah. just, and also, um, a conversation with our audience who lived in Atlanta about yeah. like, Hey, these are things that, you know, um, you have access to. Um, uh, and so, uh, so, so, the, so that's where the, some of the initial storytelling, um, uh, came from. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so, things like events at the swan house um yeah. uh you know our, our beacon sun um video shoot at andersonville prison yeah which is just a short um jog from here um uh you know it, and it's all over so
0: yeah uh, yeah and a, and a great way of doing content marketing i suppose you know tying uh, absolutely, tying absolutely. The music <laughs> in with the local area
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and you know like these these things are are you know uh uh you know sort of Seeds and catalysts that that start a conversation um, uh, that can you know sort of spawn into sort of broader collections of compositions. You know, um, yeah, uh, it's a source of inspiration. So you know, yeah. and those things change. Like you know, we the the, the, the sources change. So
0: yeah, and and on, on the coming back to creativity, um, clearly you're someone I would say perhaps high high output. You know, you have effective time management skills, but how um how do you find all of that with this sp- the kind of space needed to write songs because that that's not something you can necessarily and maybe you can sit down <laughs> and say right for the next hour I'm going to write you know yeah, the next record
1: yeah. so totally. yeah
0: so how do you how, do, how does that kind of work because ultimately you could be a tight band you know yeah. well play well together get on well together but without the the story without the you know the lyrics yeah. and the and the creativity so so how do you how do you kind of deal with that given you know time time management
1: yeah yeah like you said you know you know it's it's not like you can say oh on a Tuesday evening I'm going to carve out some time to write and while I have a song you know yeah. um it totally doesn't work that way um you know it's uh you know, when I hear things or or I, I feel like I have something to say, there's typically some kind of prompt from the world, you know, right that, that prompt can come from, you know something that I may be uh, that may be eating at me or something I, I might read or hear that might strike me as somewhat profound, you know, maybe yeah,' it's a core progression or rough mix that they might send me, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd say that you know it, 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 you just have to be listening. you know you have to be listening and thinking about all this material that you process in your day is you know inputs into yeah. the songwriting process you know and if you're available to capture them as such you know um uh then you know that that's uh kind of how you need to be looking at the world you know yeah i capture a lot of things on my phone you know i'm, I'm like sitting in traffic or i have a spare moment in the morning or evening my voice memos is like a dumpster of like rough <laughs> melodies you know yeah, um,
2: yeah.
1: i write my journal almost every day and as you go you'll find like the most mundane thoughts in it, definitely a list or two. And, uh, you know, a lot of observation about, you know, things that might be ailing me spiritually, yeah. you know, um, explorations and how I might articulate these sort of complex emotions, you know? Yeah. But all these things, like I said, are like, like seeds, like catalysts that kick off the process, you know? Yeah. Um, and once there's a sort of foundational idea, a chord progression or a basic melody, a thing to be said, you know, um, we as a band start to like, deconstruct rebuild build you know iterate you know as as necessary until we're all like really happy with the composition you know
0: yeah yeah you um okay yeah you're you know touching on some key kind of not pain points for me but you know harvard uh, i think i think it was harvard they did a study um of their students um Mm And they asked the question about who was writing down their, who was journaling, and who was writing down their objectives and that kind of thing. Essentially, what hmm. you've been talking about. <clears throat>
1: yeah.
0: And um, and then I think and then they came back to those same students, I don't know, ten years later or whatever. And what they found is that ninety percent of the students that had been journaling and writing had actually achieved the things that they had set out to do when mm-hmm. they were first interviewed. Mm-hmm. And I think something like I think it was eighty or ninety percent of those who don't hadn't. So it's very clear that intention um, really is uh, is an effective um, management skill. It's something I've really got to apply myself to. Certainly, journaling and and that kind of thing. Because
1: yeah, yeah. I I mean I, I think it's you know there's so much, and this is you know kind of part of time management. There's so many things that tug and pull at us, as you know as human beings, like emotionally, like there's family and there's, you know, uh, our colleagues and, and peers and friends and network, you know, Yeah. you know, I mean, I think for me uh, the journal is the place to kind of start to organize those things, you know, um, uh, and, and start to really kind of figure out where you want to apply energy. You know? yeah. Cause there's a million things that you could apply your energy towards. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and really we only, Uh, we only get super effective when we go deep in any one area. So it's just like, you have to be super selective. So, you know, um, yeah. And you know, like the things that we process are so complex, man. I mean, like, you know, I may stew on an idea for months and weeks. Um, uh, And it can be something super simple and maybe it's just the collection of words that sort of embody that thing. Um, But you may go really wide just trying to articulate it <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 um, uh, with the limited vocabulary that you have and maybe you are having a conversation or you you hear something and it's like oh my gosh that's exactly what I've been trying to say for the past month yeah <laughs> yeah um, and it's you know uh, and that that translates so well to songwriting because in songwriting there's so much constraint there's like you only have a few minutes or maybe you have a phrase or a bar it has to have like a uh, you know a, a rhythmic kind of pattern in order for it to fit you know so you yeah. can't you can't be you know spewing out a novel yeah. <laughs> you have to yeah. be extremely concise with what you're trying to say and and, and that is is the art
0: yeah so. yeah and um you know we talked a lot about uh time management and, and creativity here um in your career you know in your employment career let's say I don't want to say that anything that you've done is a side gig because I think that's, um, I don't don't think that does it justice. So if I use any of that phrasing, I apologize. But um, when you, when you go from, you know, maybe doing a gig at the weekend, you know, family, spending time with the band, Monday morning, you walk into a job. I know you're in, I know you, you have a creative career as well, but what is that like going from that freedom that you have to being an employee on Monday morning? Is that a hard transition for you?
1: No, it's like, it's so necessary. Really? Yeah. I mean, I I think for me, my lifestyle has been about balance, right. And the, the type of like problems and um, uh, things that I pursue, the things that inspire me, you know, like, um, I I think in my position at work, you know, as a creative uh, leader, um, I can't be prescriptive about, you know, how I, I want to see things play out in the world, you know, at work. Right. I mean, you know, being a leader is all about like giving people the space to operate and, and giving them just the right amount of guidance to unblock them, keep them moving. But, you know, so I have to, I have to play that out in other places, you know, yeah. and those other places are my songwriting, my time, my creative time with my band, you know, so, yeah. so I, I have that as a mechanism to, to be, um, uh, in full creative mode and in full sort of, uh, a control of my destiny there. You know? Yeah. Um, whereas I enter a, a, a very large sort of, uh, complex organization, like, apple or even mailchimp you know um i can't i can't be bringing that same mindset into that environment
2: yeah
0: um looking back um at apple um you joined apple as a result of an acquisition is that right so so you you, you've managed to do something that a a lot of people aspire to as well which is to be part of a startup that gets acquired (laughs) yeah so so you're you're checking off a lot of in a lot of bucket list boxes here so can you talk a little bit about about that process and and also how you know that that brought you over to California but you were still with the band so what what was that period of time like
1: oh man it was so amazing I mean I you know uh um gosh this was maybe uh 20 11 ish. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I'd met a, a group of, um, technologists, uh, 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 running an agency, um, on the West coast out of Santa Monica. Um, uh, the chief technology officer behind all of it. Um, Tristan Kozmenka, up in, um, Edmonton, Canada, um, just became really a mentor for me, you know? Right. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, just the the pace at which they operated was (laughs) funny enough, a lot like being in a band, you know, um, uh, super scrappy, you know, you're, you're trying to like piece together what an experience might look like or, or feel like, you know, um, uh, you're working with very talented people that have similar mindsets and just want to get the job done, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, I would say, you know, from that time, um, uh, 2011 through 2014 by the time we were required, was like some of my most, um, uh, productive years as, as, you know, as a designer. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, uh, because there was so much elbow room, so much surface area to cover, you know, so many parts of the business that had to be defined. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, so I really learned about what, um, truly effective collaboration could look like as a small unit. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, acquisition was, I mean, when your head's down in it was, was not ever really, you know, I'm sure for the founders and and the the leaders of the organization, uh, it was top of mind. But for me, it was just about like, you know, camaraderie and, and collaboration with the engineering teams, um, uh, you know, and the other designers that were a part of it, you know, um, uh, and, and, you know, really honing in, um, my ability to communicate an idea, you know, um, uh, so you know um seeing that mature and and our, our 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 user base and and being able to be a part of of uh, how the the experience evolved was was awesome yeah you know, and playing a huge role in that you know um, yeah. uh and yeah and then you know uh you know the acquisition um, from my standpoint as a contributor you know kind of took me by surprise you know yeah. um uh we were i was one of uh very few designers, um, working on, on the product, um, uh, and would fly out to Santa Monica every now and then. And, you know, uh, there was just a big announcement that kind of, you know, we were acquired by a, a, a larger company called Bursley. Um, uh, right when I started full time with test flight, in, I believe it was 2012. Okay. Um, uh, was a contractor before that. yeah, um, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> we're in a conference room and, and our CEO, Ben Satterfield was like, okay, well we have, you know, some news and there were some, you know, uh, uh, uh rumblings of some presentation that was supposed to happen. And, okay. um, and, uh, you know, there was this sort of, Presentation about the journey of test flight being acquired by Bursley, and then um, at the end of it, like uh, uh, announcement that we were being acquired by Apple, and everybody <laughs> in the room was just kind of like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> um, and so, you know, I'm texting my wife back in Atlanta. I'm, I'm in Santa Monica. Like, hey, do you wanna do you wanna move to Cupertino? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it was a magical time um, for for everyone involved. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, and in that process, the, the mergers and acquisition team just being so on point about like the anxiety and the, the, you know, the questions, you know, that we might have and just being very available to answer all those things, you know, as, as
0: you move, right. You know,
2: yeah. As, as,
1: as just as, as the acquisition was happening, as okay. Apple would start to consume the resources, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and then for me personally was, you know, this the really, um, uh, uh validating and, and flattering conversation with the with the uh, executive teams about like you know where i wanted to spend my time you know yeah. because i was in a position to either be um part of the product team or part of the engineering team or or keep carrying on with design so yeah. um uh, so like it was a it was a really cool moment you know
0: so if you're having those conversations are you fairly technical as well you, have you you know, on the development side
1: yeah. At the time, I pretty much um, I built out the front end framework for okay. for test flight. It um, had uh, of being purchased by by Bursley, You know, I was one of uh, I was the only front end engineer. You yeah. Know, so was filling both a a product design uh, gap and a front end engineering gap. But right. um, uh, so you know, uh, I I have a very soft place in my heart for those hybrids, those people that live in between the tech space and the design space, and especially the ones that can operate fluidly between the two.
2: Yeah, know, so. yeah.
0: And then from there, back to Atlanta, um, and at that point you joined MailChimp, was it, at that point?
1: That's right, that's yeah. right. I had a um, a, a longtime mentor, um, Aaron Walter, who I've just admired his work in the design space um, for many, many years. He stood up the design discipline at MailChimp right um uh and reached out um and the end of 2015 uh, about an opportunity to uh really help build out um and stand up the R&D uh, discipline at Mailchimp so right. um so I was hired to do that um and it was a uh, he, he brought my family back home um here to Atlanta and we've got you know family in Georgia so it was yeah. always the intention to come back you know right. yeah yeah uh, so he just made that easy for the family and um uh yeah and that's that's how I made my way back to the East Coast.
0: Yeah, and um, uh, with the, uh, if we move on to talk more about design, um, the question I want to ask you really is, from your perspective, having been involved in design and particularly customer experience or the customer mm-hmm. experience, um, what's your you know having worked with the likes of Apple and Mailchimp, what's your kind of view on on where we are with it in technology companies? Is it you know, 2020. Everybody's saying it's the year of customer experience. Are companies, mm-hmm. from what you found and and your peers and so on, are companies getting this right, or is there still a yeah. lot of pushback on, on the customer experience and design overall?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let me let me maybe start to answer this with okay. um, what what is CX? You yeah, know, I mean. Uh, we some people know that, and, struggle
0: with that.
2: Right?
1: Yeah, totally. And I I think it's you know, it's 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 somewhat new um uh, in respect to, you know, older disciplines, but um and I think it's, a te- it's just a different take on UX. So yeah. Um uh but we know that in popular articulations it sort of entails a broad expanse of touch points, you know, interactions with a brand. Yeah. Um across the entirety of a customer journey. Um that's most often sort of measured by lagging indicators like NPS, you know, and through a support lens, which is pretty common.
2: Um, uh,
1: you'd be looking at churn rate and retention, you know, response and handling time and some measurement of satisfaction like, um, CSAT, you know? Yeah. So where are we at with CX and design? I mean, you know, my perspective is that CX is broad and that design is one of many components to achieving good CX, you know? Um, and that, Measurement of success is different for every organization, you know um, uh, I know you need a goal. You need a mission. You need data to help inform that mission You need in, an intentional orchestration of events uh, and you know at the heart of it. You need solid ux, you know um, uh, But because of the complexities at, at every organization, you know uh, and, and and the uniqueness of those complexities, you know, the customer problems are unique um, I'm not of the school of thought that you can kind of apply some out of the box maturity framework to an organization and expect to see, um, any sort of real results.
2: You yeah. Know? Um, yeah.
1: So, you know, uh, not only are the, the business needs of each organization unique, the, the, the needs of a business at each stage of growth, um, uh, will have sort of discrete needs that need to be addressed in order to really effectively influence the overall quality of what customer experience is, you know? Yeah. So, for example, you know, you may be in a place that doesn't really value experience and basic user needs mechanics. So, right. in that event, you're probably looking at some deep seated change behavior, some real organizational transformation. You yeah, know, those types of things are much harder to measure and often point to fundamental UX ahead of any sort of advanced CX endeavors. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, at Mailchimp, you know, uh, we have a sort of rich culture of focus on our customer needs, um, and recently created teams anchored. Um, around our, our highest impact segments. Um, so uh, this is where the business sees the largest growth opportunity. So anchoring on a segment and creating cross-functional players whose mission is to increase market share yeah. in any one of those segments creates this really interesting dynamic um, right? for CX endeavors. You know? So, yeah. um, And in that we have a KPI driving success and we can ladder meaningful UX metrics into that. Um, uh, and these sort of become critical levers in the experience that move the needle on our highest level KPIs. So, you know, if you take the time to do the math and understand how that's calculated, you can effectively isolate areas of the experience of highest impact to that equation. You
2: yeah. Know?
1: Um, so through a design lens, um, I would say, you know, uh, well, we can contribute to that um, in a unique way and embedding, you know, service designers that can s- effectively stitch together an end to end experience strategy, you know? Yeah. And highlighting these levers in the experience, you know, working with stakeholders and facilitating hard conversations with critical partners and gatekeepers in the org that can really help.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I'd say that uh, if you're in a a position to influence CX, um, you should start with, you know, what business problems are you trying to address right now with CX? Um, And uh, do you know what success might look like uh, when you get it right? And then, how would you measure it? <laughs> yeah,
0: so. yeah. You um, And you you've talked about segmentation and and mm-hmm. the idea of being in a bigger business, but or an established business. But coming back to really, I guess two areas that I see. One is a, is a smaller company or a startup, mm-hmm. and also B two B. I certainly know that in B two B, there's less focus on UX and CX. Mm-hmm. But for any any organization who's starting from what they feel like is a blank sheet of paper mm-hmm. what would be the do's and don'ts like what are the things that companies do that work well or are working well what are the things that you see that companies are doing that doesn't you know that is 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 a is a bad road to drive down
1: well i I think it's it's common for most organizations to kind of are sort of come into being um uh, through either an engineering lens or a very sort of feature product uh, business lens you yeah, know um, yeah. and that's okay that's good these are drivers that sort of um, are catalysts for the business you know yeah. I think um, uh, you know if you're in a startup and you're trying to figure out where you want to invest your resources or where you should grow the organization if you haven't already invested in user research um, or uh, marketing insights like, um, that is a great place to start, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, in that you you start to not only understand the cu- uh, the customers that are that are already using your product, but your potential customers um, not yet using your product, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and and you know the feedback loop needs to keep those customers in mind all the time. Yeah. You know? um, so you know, Mailchimp's success is really born out of like. That rich culture of understanding its customer needs, you know, yeah. um, uh, and you know, balancing that with um, uh, good gut um, uh, and data around, you know, what an experience might look like for for those customers, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah,
0: I think um I think a lot of companies, and I, and I'll say this for smaller companies, and I know I know Mailchimp is technically business to business. Um, but obviously, for them, anybody who's looking to do you know um r- branding campaigns, you could be a you know a social media influencer up to a you know a large s and p enterprise but um I think for a lot of and speaking on behalf of, kind of a lot of the companies that i've worked for, I think the struggle is that they don't even know what questions to ask mm-hmm. you know that's the issue and and as you say when it's so engineering led it's like it's like that idea that you know you build it and they come, and right? That, right. And, and that's that's where everything falls down because, um, you know, if you if you got sales or revenue, that's fine. But I, I do feel, and maybe you agree on this, that like these companies are missing out by not investing more in that. And I, and I think part of it is just a lack of education as to what this whole subject area even is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's. Uh, There's kind of uh, standing up a practice, you know, when, when uh, you're in early stage sort of business, Um, and then there's kind of like how you sort of capitalize on design, you know, uh, as an organization sort of matures, right? Yeah. Um, um, You know, I think it's pretty common for, in, in more mature organizations, for leaders to start to reference the company culture, you know, when they're asked about design maturity and design's role in the organization. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we're in a place where, like you said, design is, is simply good practice. You know, yeah. if you're not, if you're not thinking about it, your competitors are going to eat you alive, you know? Yeah. So um, now whether you're effectively utilizing the power of design and the voice of your customer to, to differentiate your experience in the market and move the needle for the business, that's another question. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, with that question I'd, I'd say that you know design needs to be tied to the business it needs to be to, it needs to speak the language of the business and yeah. and it needs to speak strategy so um, uh, uh, outside of just pointing to company culture I, if I could be more pointed about the right environment that supports um, uh, uh, design um, and its effectiveness you know, I, I think it's about design strategic partnerships with the organization that matter, you know? Um, so the strategic sort of lifeblood depends on its relationship with marketing and its relationship with product management. You yeah. know? And if either if either one of those you know, aren't in good standing, you'll see a lot of good talent go to waste and you'll see the customer experience suffer.
0: Yeah. You, um, you've touched on culture, quite a bit there uh, I'll pull mm-hmm. it up um, on LinkedIn you describe yourself as a servant leader mm-hmm. I think I have an idea of what that's about I follow Simon <laughs> Sinek um, but you, could you talk about your um, your you know your context and maybe for anybody listening who yeah. doesn't know what that means uh, wh- where you kind of stand with that
1: yeah you mentioned Simon Sinek I mean great resource for for reading about servant leadership he, he wrote a book called um Leaders eat last, and I, I, I highly recommend this um, for uh, anybody who wants to be a, a kick-ass boss. <laughs> right. um, uh, uh, yeah, servant leadership, you know, it is is exactly what it sounds like it should be. Leading a team through the lens of support, you know, yeah. so yeah, through that lens, it really becomes less about what I can do and more about what my teams are capable of doing. And, um, what they need to be successful designers and leaders in the organization, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I've mentioned creating space for folks to operate. You know, off- offering the right amount of guidance to help them block and move things along. You yeah. Know? Um, it's a lot of listening, a lot of asking the right questions, um, uh, leading with curiosity to invoke thought. You know. Yeah. You know, if you're hiring the right people, you're you're helping them expand their thinking. You know. Um, uh, so, you know, that might mean one day I'm presenting a framework or a proposal for a new initiative and the next day I'm printing out a bunch of journey maps after hours because my team's in Brooklyn and can't get access to the printers in Atlanta right. You know, for an executive meeting for the next day. This is totally a theoretical situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so in, the, in those examples, there's an ebb and flow and when you might lead from the front versus leading from the back, you know, yeah. um, I would say personally, my default position is to lead. More from the back and when we're you know standing up something new or trying to address a hard problem i'll typically shift to the front especially if i especially if i see my my team struggling you know um but as i see members of my team really stepping up and driving the conversation i'll shift quietly back to my default position so
2: okay
1: this is how i think about sort of growing leaders and uh nurturing autonomy Yeah, um i had a, a mentor tell me you know every year you should try to be giving a part of your job, you know. And in that mindset, I essentially work to make myself somewhat disposable. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, when you're sort of elevating others, empowering other designers and leaders, um, uh, you know, teaching them to elevate the craft of design, building partnerships, and broadening their sphere of influence, um, uh, you know, you're essentially helping them stand on their own two feet. Um, uh, and then you know, uh, in some cases, I'm in a lot of cases, I'm standing things up and handing them over. You know, yeah. so uh, I've done this throughout my career. You know, um, uh, giving up a lot of the operational aspects of running my team as as the management team has grown. Um, uh, in 2017, you know, handed over um, design ops to uh, a very talented colleague, Jackie Frey, who took it to a level I would have never imagined. Right. Um, uh, and in 2018 handed off product design over to Ryan West, who scaled it to the next level um, and matured the discipline in so many magical ways. Yeah. Um, and as of two weeks ago, handed the CX design discipline over to Melanie Kovic, um, wonderful design leader in the CX space who came to MailChimp from Delta um, just recently. So i okay. um, really proud of what that team's accomplished and how much it's grown um, yeah. and look forward to seeing what they'll do here in 2020 and beyond.
0: Now you, um, you talk about something which, if people aren't familiar with this, this, um, this train of thought, you mentioned they're giving away responsibility, which for a lot of managers, directors, people have, who are in a, have a, a leadership title is at odds with what they expect to get mm-hmm. out of the job, which is I've got to this point after working at it, I need to keep hold of it. This is my castle, I'm going to build a motor out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so what you're essentially saying is, is, to, is, is that really, and I, and I might be quoting Simon here to some degree, I think to probably yeah. to total degree, which is the idea as a leader, you're really there. I mean, the definition of a leader is someone who has followers, not through entitlement, but somebody who has, right. who, has, who has gained followers. And through that is, is really the role is to empower other people to do well, right? I think that's what you're getting at.
1: That's right. And and trust that the, the people that you hire to do a job are going to actually do that job. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, I think so he, in, in leaders eat last, he talks about the dynamic of, of, you know, uh, effective, uh, units like the Marines, you know, like, like why is it they're they're so effective? How is it they can go into these like, um, dangerous environments and come out successful, you yeah. know, because they trust each other. They trust that, that each one of them would die for each other, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and that their competitors, you know, if they don't, that the people that are against them will kill them, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, in an organizational environment, the people out there are, are, are competitors. Right. And so, you know, the last thing we want to be doing is like, um, uh, bickering and, um, sorting out our internals, you know, we want to be looking out there and figuring out like what we can be doing to move the needle needle for the business, you know? Um, so, you know, Simon's assertion is that, Hey, we need to build that type of trust where I trust that you, you're going to get your job done. Right. Yeah. And I trust that I can be very um, candid with you about feedback. Right. Um, yeah. And, and not take offense to it. Right. So, um, and this is part of the job
2: yeah yeah
0: um i wanted to touch a little bit on design here in 2020 i know we're coming towards the end here um i was looking at behance um in preparation for this and if uh, people aren't Mm. familiar that's sort of adobe's i guess social media platform where you can go and share your photoshop images and that kind of thing Mm-hmm. and we we're talking about um, design trends for 2020 and one thing that kind mm-hmm. of struck me was um, and, I, and I guess rightly so is how much more things like 3D, video, mm-hmm. animation um, these more technical aspects of design um, are coming in some people say that you know, they're already in but I think with the way that um, technology is allowing us to have um, you know, memory eating uh, media now uh, mm. That we're able to have these things, what, it, how is that presenting a challenge in hiring in design? Because obviously now you've got a different skill set around, you know, people who are good mm-hmm. with video, people who are animators, right, yeah. moving away from traditional, you know, let's say art into more of the visual, which is more resource intensive and arguably requires yeah. a a different skill set. So is that is that something you're you're seeing?
1: Um. I don't really see that as a challenge. I kind of see that as just the evolving nature of, of design. Um, You know, I I think uh, there has always been and will always be specialties within um, the broad expanse of, of what design can encompass, you know, Um, now, depending on the needs of the business, you know, you may get to a scale where you, you, you need motion designers, you know, you may get to a scale where you need photographers or, you know um uh uh, people that just specialize in service design or content strategy right um uh and these are things i've i have i have certainly encountered in in growing and maturing a design org you know um but it really should all point back to like what the business is trying to accomplish you know where are the challenges and where are the skills gaps you know um uh and and in assessing the skills gaps you have to go okay well would we benefit, would the business benefit by really doubling down on this specialty, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't look at design trends and go, okay, we need to have that. Right. I look at, I, I have conversations with my peers, um, uh, about like what they're trying to accomplish, you know? Um, and then I go, okay, well, do we have that skill or not, you know? yeah. Um, and, and, in that. Um, uh maybe a pitch um, for a budget to actually like expand in that capability so
0: yeah so on on the flip side um as a mentor to someone perhaps mm-hmm. in coming out of high school where, and they mm-hmm. want to get into design what what would you tell them where would you tell them to kind of lean into now
1: oh man coming out of high school um yeah for, well, for i those guess at that, are that are, yeah, 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 yeah. point is, say science. you know
0: i want to do design you know where would you, yeah. where would you kind of what direction would you tell them to kind of go into To kind of yeah, you know, future yeah
1: yeah i i mean i i think you know i see so many designers coming um at at the profession from so many different uh um, backgrounds you know right. um, I've, I've hired people from industrial design people from um uh out of uh, physics you know people like um uh in in journalism you know um, and all of it is valuable because um, uh, it teaches critical thinking, right? Um, uh, and really, in design, you know, you are effectively um, problem solving um, with all uh, all types of different tools. The technology changes, um, so um, I don't evaluate people on um, kind of what uh, what type of of, of technical um, tools that they they use. Right. Know? Okay. Um, yeah yeah, I, 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 look at how they look at the world, right. And how they process things and how they articulate things. Right. Yeah. So these are all sort of, um, uh, uh, are, 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 you know, and everyone is unique. Right. So, um, uh, you know, I would say for, for people looking to get into, um, design, um, uh, the practice of creating, you know, um, and the practice of, of iterating, um, on a thing, you know, uh, will teach you not to be (laughs) so tied to your ideas, you know, um, because what you will learn and especially in a corporate environment is that your ideas aren't always the right ideas, you know? Um, uh, and, um, you have to be, and, you know, in, in the collaborative, uh, space of, of making music, it's the same way, you know, I mean, you, you, you try things and, and you can't be tied to the way that you hear things, you know? Um, uh, so I would say for anybody um, wanting to uh, start out in their, their career um, as a designer is to, you know, it, whether it be woodworking or whether it be poetry or whether it be whatever the, the medium is, you know, um, practice doing it a lot, you know? yeah. practice like iterating and, 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 and capture your, your, your creative process. Um, so uh, one of the, the sort of core um, uh Components and and sort of evaluating designers, you have to have a portfolio. You know, yeah. Um. So this is probably the most tactical thing that you could work on as as a a budding designer. Is that like, okay, it may be a a problem space that you know um, uh, you see um, out in the world. Maybe you feel like um, there's an app that could be really improved. Um, Maybe you feel like there's. Uh, a, a problem that as, isn't being addressed in the world. Um, make that like a pet project, you know, yeah. um, see if you can redesign something, see if you can, um, uh, come up with a way, uh, to alleviate a pain point in the world. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like a, a fully fleshed out prototype or any, anything like that. It can simply be just the articulation of capturing it. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and documenting your process and how you, um, uh, uh, to process that 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 problem, you know. Yeah. Um uh, and, and those things are meaningful conversations when you're, you know, um even for a junior designer, like really evaluating um uh what kind of uh potential this person has ahead of them.
0: You yeah, know? yeah. You raised some good points there. And I appreciate it. I've I've kept you up to our time. I just want to ask you one last question. Yeah. Um and and I could talk about all of this stuff all day long and, and <laughs> okay. um one of the struggles I think for creatives, and it's something that I struggle with, is 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 giving away your work to the world, mm. is putting it out there. Mm-hmm. What uh, is there any tips or is there a discipline that you live by? Where is it time? Do you say right, you know, this record or this piece of work has got to be done in the next two months? Mm. I don't know, whatever, and then it goes out regardless, and and then you work to that deadline. How do you, you know, as for me, I'm like, oh, this image, this this. Paper, this piece of code whatever it might be i could just keep iter- you know, yeah. improving us how do you deal with that standing on the, the verge of the abyss you know <laughs> ready to press the button and what advice would you kind of give people struggling with that
1: oh man there's a quote i'm trying to remember this quote and i'm gonna butcher this um
0: <laughs> that's fine it's like
1: do not let um perfection be the evil of good yeah um something like that but i mean basically what it's getting at is like you know you know you can delay your process and output for eternity if you wanted to i've seen songwriters do this i've seen my own designers do this you know like it has to be absolutely perfect before i even share it with anybody i think that is a disservice you know that is okay. uh, you know um uh, part, a, a big part of of just being present as a creative in the world is, is, is putting things out there. You know um, if, if you struggle with this read daring greatly by Brene Brown, it is um, probably helped me the most in terms of just being a, a speaker, a person of, of visibility um, uh, in the design organization, you know, where, you know, uh, at, at, for a long time I would approach, um, the things I would say to the team, like a song, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, there's a, a, a great quote by Maya Angelou that says like, people aren't going to remember what you said. They're not going to remember what you did, but they're definitely going to remember how they made, how you made them feel. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and I think we as creators just need to remember that. Like, it's not, it's not about where the, the pixels go. It's not about like, you know, um, uh, it being, this ultimate sort of uh, 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 piece of perfection that kind of caps your, your, your career, you know, because ideally, if you think about your career, you will do this many, many times. Right. Yeah. Um, and you will do it so many times that it becomes um, uh, well in, in sort of performance speak less about the execution and more about the conversation. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, you know, so, You know, when we rehearse uh, for the band, we rehearse so that I don't have to think about the mechanics of like what chord goes, where, or what word goes, where I'm thinking more about how I'm connecting with the audience. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, Gosh, I'm trying to remember the writer, um, uh, NPR, um, This American Life. I can't remember his name now for some reason.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think as well. When yeah, changed, uh,
1: um, it'll hit me in a second. But, <laughs> you know, he has a piece on just his, his career. He's written so many times. And, you know, um, he talks about, like, you know, being okay with, with putting uh, uh, his articles out there into the world and yeah. knowing that they're not perfect, you know. Um, Seth Godin would, is the
0: same, you know. Seth Godin, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and and the more you do it, you start to really hone in on that, and um, you know, for, for creatives, uh, a big part of 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 the, of the process is feedback. You know, is like how people respond to things. You know, so how can you get feedback if you're not putting it out into the world? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and you know, from from from, from Bernays' perspective, it's just like putting things out into the world. It it uh, you know requires a lot of courage, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you can't be courageous if you're not putting it out there in the world. So, yeah. So just put it out there, you know, um, uh, because something is better than nothing.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, Eric, it has been a real pleasure. I, um, Oh man, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I, um, I found, like I say, I found you guys when I, I think I've, I was either moving or I first moved to the States and I found um, Night Parade. Um, <laughs> my nine year old loves die- dancing around the living room to emperors on full blast. <laughs> um oh and, that makes uh, me so happy <laughs> yeah she absolutely loves it i told her i was talking to you she's like she's like wow she got a little bit starstruck so you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so great yeah. We'll and, tell her i said hello <laughs> yeah i will
0: and um and i think calling all gamma rays is my absolute go-to summertime song so oh that's great um so uh yeah i without sounding too much like a fanboy i, I um <laughs> uh again it was it was just it was very interesting to find um, you living this kind of life. Um, mm. As I say, for a lot of us who consider this, we think, well, you've, you know, you've either you compromise on the job or you can't compromise mm. on the creativity. So I hope to anyone who's listening, who struggled with that, I hope that it, it helps in some way, but, um, yeah. uh, people can find you quiethounds.com, um, usual social media channels. I know you're on YouTube, Spotify, right. iTunes, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, we're on
1: Spotify, Apple music, um and,
0: yeah. and um, you you played uh, we, here we are with March 6th you played a gig at the last weekend anything else coming up any any plans to do any shows
1: yeah yeah so we, we do have um, some dates um, in uh, shaping up for Nashville and uh, Charlotte here this summer so um, keep a lookout for those those are our um, conversations that are starting to solidify but um, yeah spring and summer dates um, uh, check out quiethouse.com um keeping keep in the, in the loop um as those things evolve
0: excellent great. well thanks again yeah i've kept you i've kept you over but uh, as i say we could talk all day um <laughs> but yeah thanks again and um yeah i'll uh, i'll continue putting out this great music
1: great thanks so much lewis appreciate the time yeah. it's the